Welcome to the Best of Home Design Chat with Nancy. I hope you enjoy this pre-recorded show. If you have any questions, you can always email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. Welcome to Home Design Chat with Nancy. Are you remodeling or building your dream home? We will chat about everything from the ceilings to the floors and everything in between. Any questions you might have can be emailed to me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. Well, this podcast is being brought to you by Premier Lighting, and today is April 22nd already. And, uh, you know, when I say everything between the ceiling and the floors, you don't have ceilings and floors if you don't have architects to help you build. And that is our guest today. Nick Santakis is the owner of Santakis Architecture, and he is a very famous architect in the Arizona area. Right, Nick? Are you famous? I had to pay Nancy $20 to say that. Oh, gee, thanks a lot, Nick. <laughs> You're welcome. Anyway, thanks for being here. We're going to go through why people need an architect and how to work with an architect. Are you ready for that? Sure, I'm ready. And uh, hopefully people understand why architects are important to have in your life. Well, um, so when should people hire an architect? Is it? Uh, and I'll just give you a hint what I have in my mind. Is it a simple room addition? Is it a remodel within the footprint of their house? Is it a whole house? You tell me. Anytime you have uh, questions or, or issues of something you want to do with your home, you should consult with an architect because people think it's only when you have a bigger project to do that maybe you, sh- you should talk to one, or, but they don't realize that even small projects are quite important. Um, you may be doing something to affect your home in an, in an in adverse way, uh, without realizing uh, that uh, you, you will be taking away some of its value and maybe not doing the most effective thing. Uh, so I encourage people, uh, anytime they have any questions, to consult with an architect. Uh, a lot of architects charge a certain amount of money to come out on a site visit, but it's really a, a good investment. It should not be a lot, but at the same time, uh, the amount of information that you may get is going to really help set you straight and put you in the, in the right direction. You just answered 12 of my questions. But anyway, so <laughs> that's okay. You're ahead of the game. You're an architect. Um, so tell me, do you have to be licensed to be in architecture? And we're in Arizona, so let's talk about Arizona and then other states if you yeah. know that. Uh, first of all, to call yourself an architect, you need to be licensed. That means you have to have the proper education from an accredited school and then uh, do an internship for at least a couple of years before you start writing the architectural examinations. It's more, it's compared to a lawyer passing a bar exam. They cannot call themselves lawyers un- until they have passed that. And you cannot call yourself an architect unless you're licensed. Now, you may be licensed in a state like Arizona, but if you want to work in Nevada, then you have to uh, obtain a license in the state of Nevada. Sometime, some states have reciprocity with uh, with architects from other states, but most of the time you have to have a separate examination to get the registration in that state. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you this question because I know that you were born in Canada, or you were brought up in Canada. Um, can you do anything in Canada without a license? No, or it's do the they same have, as the United they States. They do have the same rules. Yeah, and, Interesting. And, and uh, I'm from Canada, so I'm licensed in uh, Quebec. Of course could, you are. And I could be licensed in, in, in other provinces as well with reciprocity. Uh, and, of course, I have my license here in the United States. Uh, and everything took examinations and so on. But uh, at the same time, it's a way of protecting uh, the public uh, to make sure that they're they are, they are uh, dealing with the right professionals. Okay. 
so let's guide us. We're going to guide everybody through the design and actually what it's like to work with an architect. So um, tell me the first step when you meet somebody. What do you expect from them? Well, first, uh, architects are good listeners. They need to understand what you have in mind so that it's like going to a tailor and having a suit made for your body. Architects are the same way concerning your home and, and taking your uh, the aspirations and everything you want to design uh, or do in your home and, and make it fit your, your body. Side note, kitchen designers act that way too. We yeah. have to know... We can't just read people's minds. Don't you ever feel like, you know, you're pulling the information from them because they're not willing to give you or maybe they don't know what you need? Exactly. So you have to ask the questions if they're not forthcoming and at the same time listen to to their needs. The budgets are extremely important. So people, many times they have uh, uh, requirements of uh, doing this and doing that, but they don't really understand that how much money it would cost. And an architect will be able to set you straight from the beginning to tell you, look, you do not have enough money to do what you're doing, and you have to either do do it in a different way or do it in in phases and so on. Uh, I just have to say one one thing – I had done a project once for an attorney, and it was a very simple project. It was a pool bath, maybe 50 square feet, and a builder had asked me to prepare drawings for that. Now, normally people think, well, you know, a pool bath, how difficult can it be? Uh, The builder wanted that because he wanted to be able to price it uh, specifically for for the clients, but at the same time, the clients being uh, professionals want to make sure that this pool bath uh, connected well to their house, their roof, and so on. Uh, Oh, let's explain that real quick. Roof lines. You can't just throw an addition onto a house. You have to take roof lines into consideration. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You can't make it look like something was added onto a house and uh, it was an afterthought because it will take away value from your home. So an architect is able to integrate all of these new additions and so on with your existing home so that it looks like it was designed that way originally. The do-it-yourselfers will do it and it will look like a shed attached mm-hmm. to a house, yeah. right? You're doing more damage than right. you realize uh, so uh, in- integrating the additions and any modifications to the home is extremely important. So having said that, when, when I uh, completed the, the, pool, the pool bath, um, and I never met the client. It was, uh, she called me up and told me, you know, I really like what you did for our home. My father has a home in Paradise Valley, and he's tr- he has a carport and is trying to put a garage on the home. Can you please uh, give him a call and, and see if you, you can help him? So I called her her dad, and I and I said, well, you know, your daughter gave me your number, want me to call you and see how I can help you with the garage you want to add to your home. He says, well, I don't need you yet because I haven't figured it out. <laughs> I said, that's why you need to call an architect. So a lot of people think that if they don't have the solution for what they want to do, uh, then nobody else has it either. They don't realize that they may even be looking in this particular case that the garage or the carport was in the wrong location, and maybe that carport should be another type of space, and maybe the garage that he's thinking about should be somewhere else because it may adversely affect the appearance of his home and, and so on. Uh, so these are things that an architect will be able to help you to through. Okay, so now you um, – did you finish the story on adding the pool bath? Was that finished? No, the, yeah, <laughs> because the I think we, no, we, it, it is. Yeah. How did it turn out? It turned out. It turned out great. Um, 
and uh, at, at the same time, we as architects, some some we do very expensive projects, and we do very very low end projects as well, because what we do, I mean, at least if for myself personally, uh, I select the client, not the project. And I really like to be able to help as many people as possible. I think that's important. It's, it's like one of our social uh, responsibilities as architects to make sure that people are able to get the best possible um, uh, product and, and, and results and not to uh, waste their money. They need to spend it effectively. Um, many times the information you'll get from an architect during a visit will be able to either uh, put you in the right direction, as I was talking about, or maybe just don't do anything because you'll be putting money into your into your home and not really increasing any value uh, if you're not going to do it in in a comprehensive way. So you have to know what the end goal or end game would be, and how to get there, and maybe doing it in phases if you don't have enough money at the time, uh, without necessarily uh, destroying something you've already built or invested money in. A lot of people you know, figure, okay, I need to change my, my master bath and I'm going to do this and do that. Well, maybe your master bath is not in the right location anyway. And maybe your master bedroom can become a, 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 a mini master for, for a guest and you can build your master bath and your new master bedroom and closet on the other side of the house and they can have a split floor plan. These are types of things that architects can see right away when they come to visit you as opposed to you um, thinking that, well, I, I, need, I need to do something in the space, but I don't have enough. But then you proceed anyway and add finishes and, and expensive uh, um, fixtures and so on. So these are things that you should consult an architect. Okay, I agree with that on just about every point. Uh, so how does somebody find an architect? Is it through referrals or what? Where do you get most of your clients? Uh, we get our clients. We do a lot of marketing uh, in, in publications and so on. We have our work published. Uh, at the same time, we have uh, builder referrals. We have uh, client referrals, uh, f- referrals from friends. It's, it's a business that requires a lot of networking and a lot of uh, time spent uh, with with people and uh, also time with experience of projects that you've done but maybe it's a project that somebody will drive by and say well I like this this home maybe I should call them or a neighbor will will recommend you to 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 to, to their to their friends and so on so these are ways of like in every business the longer you you are around uh, the the more possibilities you'll have of meeting clients well, you said before that you pick the uh, client, not the project. Right. So by doing that, you're establishing a rapport and a friendship, which then leads to them referring you yeah. out to their friends exactly. or family or whatever. So that's a good way to go. Yeah. There's nothing like having satisfied clients. Oh, I mean, yeah. If you are have a, a client that's not satisfied, you'll lose 10 clients in the future. So it's really not worth... Uh, not doing your, the, the job properly and not understanding people and leading them uh, on a path that uh, they, they have not expected. Okay. So do you have a specialty in um, what you design? Well, it's funny that you say that because in Montreal, when I was practicing there, I was a specialist in restaurants and commercial buildings. When I came to Arizona in 1995, I started working on homes because I figured that would be a way to meet commercial clients. But I like designing homes so much that I don't go after uh, commercial work. 
so in Canada, I'm known as a commercial architect. And in Arizona, I'm known as a residential architect. And I'm fine with that. They're two different types oh, of right. pace. So right. you can't have the same thing going on in an office where, for example, uh, the pace of restaurant design is different from uh, the home design and so on. It's almost like you have to have two different zones in your office for the, those types of projects. And I don't like to mix them, uh, although I do a lot of churches as well, which is in, I, I put into the the residential architect pace because they take longer and they require f- funding is slower and so on. So uh, I try to pair up the projects that I do in the uh, where where being here in Arizona, it's it's residential, and in Canada, it's commercial. Okay, so but I've seen a lot of your work, Nick, and I've worked with you several times, and I noticed that you lean towards contemporary. True. Yes, that's true. If somebody came to you and said, "I want a house that's uh, Tudor or Tuscan," would you say, "Okay, that's not for me"? I have done many Tudor and Tuscan homes, so I never say no. Okay. It's always the client. But what I do uh, market my my work is contemporary because I really enjoy the freedom of having the um, the expression and not falling into any particular style. So I enjoy that. I, I like the topography and the the the, um, the views to, to take over and create the home and the and the client, of course, with their uh, needs and their budget. So to me, uh, when you're working in a contemporary, it, it's more of a f- free form and and um, it adapts itself, like I said, to the to the surroundings and the client, which I really think makes it. M- more creative, a more creative product. Well, I've seen a lot of your contemporary work because I've known you so long, and I think it's gorgeous. What is your favorite thing to do in a contemporary setting? Um, do you pick one focal point? Um, I, I, I like to... Uh, I notice yours have a lot of glass. Yes. I like to really focus on the views and, and really integrating the interior and the exterior of, of, uh, of the home so that it's seamless between in, inside and outside. It increases your the feeling of space that you have. It also uh, uh, gives an appreciation for your surroundings. Uh, there's, I don't understand where people uh, compartmentalize uh, homes and they're in, in rooms and then they're looking at a view of a mountain through a two-foot by two-foot window because it's fitting with the style on the exterior. There's no reason for that. I like to go on a site and many times during construction maybe alter locations of openings just because we see certain things. If I spot, let's say, a saguaro cactus and I'd like to frame it with a, with a window and, and so on, these are things that I, I, I feel with contemporary architecture, you're able to, uh, it's, it makes a building very malleable and you, you'll be able to adapt to, the, to its surroundings. At the same time, materials are extremely important. So to me, uh, working with low maintenance materials in the desert is extremely important because um, uh, that's something that will save you from spending money in the future. And even though you may spend a little bit more today, you're saving yourself in the long term. So selection of materials is important and uh, making sure that the home is energy efficient by in a passive way so that you're shading in the right uh, in the right orientations and not having too much sun coming in from the west. Well, wait, so that on. was my question. I was yes. my big question was when you do a site plan, you take into consideration where the sun is hitting at certain times of the day. So do you have to spend like 12 hours at the job site just to get the how the sun is hitting certain areas? 
Not necessarily. I mean, if, don't forget, you'll be spending three years on a project uh, from start to finish. So you have to know how sun, the sun works in, in the different seasons and how your building will perform at that time. Don't forget, with computer models also, we simulate That's all true. of this. So it's very easy to see where you can, how you can control the light coming to, a, to the home at different parts of the year. Uh, there's a lot of things that go on, and um, we, with the tools that we have today, especially as architects with the 3D modeling and so on, it, it makes things even more exciting. It also makes things easier for builders and clients to understand what the intent is so that the builders can sharpen their pricing and the clients really understand and see their home as a finished product before they go into Construction. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, mm-hmm. the phases of construction, but um, how important is it for you to know the lifestyle of your client? That's the most important thing. Uh, the client set the tone for for the home. It, it's um, the more information you give to an architect, uh, and the more questions the architects ask. It makes it uh, easier to pinpoint the type of uh, home and start cre- that you can start creating for that client. Did you ever disagree with a client? Like if they said, well, I want this to be here because I do this such and such, and you said, but that's not a good idea. Do they accept your expertise or do you get into the battle? I don't get into battles. I tell them my opinion, and they and I'm, I tell them very straight, straightforwardly that, you know, this is uh, what will happen if, if uh, you decide to do that. And then if they still insist on it, it I will make it work as, as best as I can. But the client is always the, the, the final decision maker. I can't have an argument with the client and leave a job because they don't agree with me. Uh, my job as an architect is to be able to solve the issues for them, but at the same time making them aware of the decisions that they'll be taking, whether they're good or, or not, as, not, as, not as great, uh, they, they still have to know the reasoning behind uh, behind every yeah. every action we take. Well, and I can understand that because as a kitchen designer, on I do what you do on a much smaller scale. But I think after explaining when somebody wants something that I particularly don't agree with, if they insist, I give them the pros and cons and let them decide. And then they usually go my way. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Well, uh, you know, well, because if your argument is good enough and yes. they respect your expertise and you can explain why this isn't, but we can compromise and do this, usually that's a better way. It's usually easier for an architect to, to win, let's say, if that's the battle, because you really are affecting the entire structure and the, the appearance of a home and probably its value. So clients are more... Uh, intent to to listen to that. Now, don't forget, a lot of clients that do not use architects that are looking for drawing services that uh, and meet people that tell them what they want to hear are going to be leading leading the show. The clients that are are selecting architects who tell them what they need to hear. What happens is that they're more attentive and they, they realize they're paying you for for a reason. Uh, right. If they didn't respect what you're going to be able to do for them, they wouldn't be paying you the fees that that you're charging. So we find that most of the clients that are paying our fees are also people that uh, are, are understand why they're why they're paying them. People that do not have respect for for the uh, architects or think they know what they have and think they can use a drawing service to take the the place of an architect because they know everything. Well, then they make all the decisions and nobody can tell them what, what they can do. And thank you, HGTV. 
Okay, so we're going to talk about uh, lighting right now. We're going to talk about premier lighting. They, I know uh, two months ago they went to market and they filled their showrooms with all sorts of new fixtures. Most of them have LED lights, which I love. But if you're curious about um, how premier lighting can help you, I suggest you go to their website, shoppremier.com. Give them a call. The phone number's right there. They are located in Scottsdale. Although they do ship, so if you see something on their website that you have a question and you would like to purchase, all you have to do is call them. They have uh, lighting consultants that would be more than happy to help you. So again, go to shoppremier.com for all your lighting needs. Well, now we're going to talk about how they start. They've selected Nick, the architect. They want to start their project, but how do they start? What's the first thing? Well, uh, as I was saying earlier, uh, you need to, to create a program uh, of your needs, spaces, an idea of the size of home that you will be looking at, uh, an idea of the budget that, that, you, that you have, and discuss this with the architect to see if it's realistic. Because if it isn't realistic, you'll, you'll know right away from your initial consultation that, you know, I have $100,000 to spend on a project that costs, it will cost 500 You should know that at the beginning and not be surprised once you start. And it's a never-ending experience and frustration and, and, and waste, big, big waste of time and big waste of money. Right. Um, so going along with a budget, I'm sure that goes hand in hand with the square footage of the finished project. Yeah, normally it has to do with the size. It ha- a lot of it has to do with the materials. Um, uh, We're actually starting with the property. The property, the site work. A lot right. of people don't understand the site work is, especially on hillsides, it could be a big portion of of, um, of a budget. Uh, sometime in uh, hillsides, you may may spend uh, two hundred to five hundred thousand dollars before you even get to a to a place where you can start construction. So uh, these are things that you have to understand, and cons- especially when you're dealing with hillsides, uh, consulting with an architect before you either buy it or before you even start designing anything, that you have to know that there's a the hidden cost there uh, or a fixed cost that you, can't, you cannot avoid. Okay, so you've met with the people. You mm-hmm. have your, your little white tablet where you've written everything, their dreams, everything they want in their house. And then after that, you go to your office, and do you do preliminary drawings? Uh, How do you start? The way that I work is I start by, uh, first of all, getting as much information as possible. A lot of architects have questionnaires for the clients. A lot of clients have... Binders that they've prepared over many years of images and which so we on. recommend, right? Because highly recommend. We cannot read your mind, right. and so the more they give us, right. the better you are to give exactly. back to them. People don't think they may think that it may be confusing that you're showing so many. It doesn't really matter. We can we're able to filter out what they're really looking at and how to take all of these images and 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 um, and requirements and put them into a design. So it's not a complicated thing for us. And the more information we get, the, the better, better it is. It makes it a lot easier to, to start something. So uh, what we do is uh, we uh, f- start laying out. Uh, first of all, we need a topo- topography of the site and the dimensions and so on. And uh, 
at the same time, we start laying out the uh, uh, co- conceptual bubble diagrams and so on as to where spaces should be. And placement so of rooms and all that uh, stuff. Right, placement of rooms. And by the time I meet with the client with the initial uh, layout, what I've done is I've gone through many different iterations of it until I find one that I feel is is more in, in line with uh, what the client is looking for. And uh, I do... Mostly, I don't like to do sketches for people. And what I do is, personally, I, I create um, uh, layouts in, on computer with the furniture, the size of rooms and all that, and specific er- areas and total area of the project so that when we're looking at these uh, particular solutions, they look like they're final, but they really are not. They're, they're malleable and they, they can be changed. But if we're going to be talking about specifics and, let's say, adjusting room sizes and the overall area and so on, um, it's we can get to that point quicker than to just do things on uh, just sketching them out roughly. And I'm able to follow through with a client through many different modifications until we come up with a finalized layout. I do not like to confuse people by sketching and showing them 3Ds while we're in the floor plan stage. I like to keep things separate. Even though I'm modeling in my mind mm-hmm. how this house is looking, I do not want to show the client on the exterior of it until the layout is finalized. Because mm-hmm. to me, that's extremely important and makes things a lot easier to progress from there. Okay. And I think putting sketches, I don't want to use the word sketches, but putting furniture placement in the room helps people because a lot of people can't imagine as we can when we look at a room or we look at a site, we can imagine what it's going to look like when it's finished just about. But we have to go baby steps for the client yeah. so that they're not confused and they're happy. Yeah. Okay, so um, so when you have your first preliminary, even though you do it on computer, and then you make the changes, how many times do you typically meet with somebody to make changes? You know, uh, it could take... Uh as many times as possible until we finally come with the the one that everyone agrees on. And uh, I've done homes where I've shown a client a layout and said, that's it. And I'm like more shocked than anything because, first of all, and it's happened to me many times, I said, you, are you sure we don't want to ex- you know, go and, and, and look at something else and try? No, it says, no, I love this layout. I want this house. Okay, so when somebody says that, then you move on to the next stage. Many times, though, I find that uh, I can do a half a dozen, a dozen layouts, and I'm fine with that. And it can take uh, over a period of three, four, or five weeks. As long as it takes, it does not matter. As long as the client is engaged and and the design is evolving to something that we're all going to feel feel proud about. And also, don't forget... uh, I work very closely um, with with the the square footage because I, I know that it's going to be a determining factor also in the final cost. So I'm able to control all of that and know that um, if we're going to be making certain changes, if it's adding or, or, or decreasing area. So that for me is extremely important to get to the optimal square footage for the client's budget. Okay, well, I don't want to confuse anybody out there, and there's so much when you're working with an architect, but once they've said, okay, this is it, I love this, you see the happy faces, then you do the construction drawings, right? Yeah, well, before that, we we uh, we start after the the floor the layout stage. We start with the 3D modeling, right? And that again follows the same way as we do with the, with the layouts, uh, showing them our first preliminary massing, 
which could be Macy, white models, for example. They may show windows at the beginning or not. They'll Should we explain white models? White models are just black and white, three-dimensional drawings. And the site is drawn in there as well. Because the outside materials haven't been chosen yet. Right. So doing a white model kind of doesn't uh, give them any ideas other than what they have in their mind. Right. Already. And it shows you the, the volumes and so on. And then uh, once we uh, roof lines and everything are established, and then and also in terms of the style of the home, it's, 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 it's approved. Then we start um, doing colorized models where we add materials and so on. So by the time we finish the second phase, which is the uh, massing, uh, the cl- you will see a, a picture of this home as if it's already built. So a client has no questions that in their mind about what this home is going to look like. And that's before we start construction drawings. Extremely important. Plus, with these two um, phases of the project completed, a builder can give a very good preliminary budget, plus or minus 10% of what this home will cost. So then if there is there are issues still with the budget, with the budget, we can make uh, modifications at this level without before we go into construction drawings. So it's extremely important. The most more information that you give to to a client and to a uh, builder before you go into construction drawings, the the sharper the the pricing is going to be. Okay. So when does the homeowner look for a general contractor to do the project, or do you walk them through the phase of getting the builder? Uh, many times uh, clients may have a builder from the beginning, and that's that's great too because they're part of the team from day one and they can come and sit into meetings and so on and make suggestions and also uh, preliminary pricing uh, in earlier stages. But at, this, at the time when we have this uh, the preliminary design phase with the floor plans and the uh, 3D modeling, that's a good time to get a builder involved, at least one, to be able to get a budget feedback and then uh, re- recommendations uh, of at least uh, maybe three builders when you finish a construction drawings to bid on the project. And once the bids come in, are you involved in that? Yes, we're involved in making sure that the bids are comparing apples with apples. That's extremely important. And interviewing the builders and looking at their cost breakdowns and to see if they really understand the project. And also to uh, to also see uh, how capable they would be for, for this work. Some, be, some people do not have the experience yet for certain projects, whereas they may have experience for remodels or additions, but for a complicated hillside, they may not have. It's a big step to mm-hmm. go from there to, to there without having the experience. in. Between. So is it at this point when the budget uh, figures come in and the homeowner then has um, a little uh, heart palpitation, then you can do some value engineering or... Is that? Yeah, we always do value engineering, of course, to make sure that whatever v- uh, budget the, the client has in, can be met. There's always going to be surprises on the site, too, especially when you're doing uh, complicated hillside projects. You never know, know what you don't know what is going to happen when you're ex- doing excavation, if there's going to be a more hard dig than you expected or not, even though you, you do soil testing and things like that. So there, you have to be prepared for you know, maybe 10% and so on of uh, of extras on, on a project. But at the same time, many projects finish under budget as well, depending on how the project, project is given to the builder, if it's a cost plus. I always know. say this, though. It's the design isn't what drives the price. It's the finishes. Exactly. 
<laughs> right. I mm-hmm. agree with you on that one. Uh, so we can actually say, because I know we're coming to a point where you need to get going, and we can talk about this forever, but most importantly, if you're going to do a project, I would say finding an architect that fits in with your personality and your likes and dislikes. Agreed? I think it's very important. It's a, First it's step. a chemistry between the client and the architect. And uh, like I said, I, I select the, the client and not the project. Uh, if the client is just not ready for f- for us, I, I will also know that as well, and maybe give them recommendations of what what they can do or suggest people that that can help them okay. as well. And then taking that one step further, having a general contractor who you can get along with, you can communicate with, and he communicates three ways: the architect, the homeowner, and the builder. Very important. Right. And, of course, interior designers uh, as well, kitchen designers. Well, that's another whole podcast. It's another podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to get too far ahead. But there's a lot to consider when using an architect. Um, You know, if you have, even if you're not ready, I think starting to talk to architects would be very important. Before they get there alone. Exactly. The, the other thing we did not mention was uh, the, the consultants that are involved, the structural, electrical, mechanical, and civil engineering. The architects are the ones that coordinate all of the engineering and, and also lead, lead the team uh, because uh, they can only do what the, what the architect has given them. And um, a skilled architect is going to be able to get the most out of all of these uh, other professionals. Um, so quite important to have the right architect uh, lead the team. A uh, good builder uh, on your side as well will be able to keep costs under control uh, as well while, while they're building and keep your schedule. Also, that's important because you don't want something to drag on. The more things drag on, the more that they will cost at the end. I think the whole project really depends on who they get as an architect and as a general. And right. then it trickles down from there. Mm-hmm. You said the architect has to um, kind of control the structural engineer, all the the periphery that goes along with this. Then the general controls all of his subs. Exactly, same thing. And then all the homeowner has to do is write the check. Yeah, hopefully that w- that will be it. <laughs> that's it. And most of the time, that that's the case. In uh, in other cases, though, the the less information they have and start making changes on site that Ooh, is change orders change orders and that's what happens when you haven't don't have a design that's uh, uh, comprehensive you haven't used an architect and then all of a sudden you start discovering things or having left things out yeah. that you don't realize and before you know it you spend more money but i also find that change orders pop up when the homeowner has talked to the architect or the designer everything is set but then they continue shopping or talking to their friends and they decide i want to change this and i keep telling people change orders delay the project yes they do and uh, and cost money and cost money I, i can understand if there's going to be an improvement in the project uh i change orders if there's an unexpected um um things that that happen during construction some of them are unavoidable uh, they're unavoidable but if you're just doing change orders for cosmetic reasons and not decide making decisions quicker you're going to lose time and money right i agree with that i agree with everything that you say nick that's why we get along so well thank you nancy <laughs> 
I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. I learned a lot, and I hope everybody who's planning on uh, building, even if you're not, if you have friends that are planning on building a house or adding an addition, it would be definitely nice to share this podcast with them. And also, I want to say that, uh, you know, listening to a podcast is so easy. All you have to do is load the app on your phone, whether it's an Android or an iPhone, and then put in Home Design Chat with Nancy, hit the subscribe button, and then you can listen to every single podcast, which I do every single week, and it's specifically for the uh, people who are interested in either improving their home or decorating their home, everything having to do with their home. So I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast, and until next time, have a great day. 